Our second scripture reading is found in Matthew chapter 7. Now I'll be reading verses 7 through 12. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12. Ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. So I'm at home earlier in the week debating what to do about one of those first world problems. We encounter these quite frequently. You see, I had two containers of honey, and both of them had just a little bit in each container. I used one at work for my coffee and one at home for my coffee. Yes, Corey, I put honey in the coffee. You gave me a quizzical look. I put honey in my coffee instead of sugar. I know. And, and so I brought all my things home with me since I'm off for the summer. And um, so I have these two containers. What to do? So I could either pour one into the other, but it takes honey such a long time to pour. I mean, it's, I'm not that patient. <laughs> I could invert one and put on top of the other to where their necks meet and just let gravity, you know, take its course. And I've done that before, but it can get messy if it doesn't work out just right, especially with honey or shampoo or something like that. Or I could use one of these, okay? A funnel and have the best of both worlds. And so here is my honey jar, and there is the funnel. Put the funnel in, put the other jar on top, let it rest against the wall, set it and forget it, and you're done. Okay, first world problem solved. And I thought to myself, aren't funnels just the coolest things in the world? Pretty cool, huh? And so I started thinking about how useful funnels can be. Look, it's summer vacation for me. I have time to ponder these important topics, okay? So I brought some funnels with me today. Here's one. I would not use this one in the kitchen because obviously we've used it outside for something. I don't know, probably something automotive, but it's something that, you know, it gives room for error. You know, the, the splash you know, is pretty good there. I A funnel. Here's another one. <laughs> Tina, that's kind of an odd looking funnel. But, and, and it says gas additives, transmission fluid, power steering. So this would be one that you would probably put transmission fluid, power steering. Although it could be you. I mean, you could, you could, yes, you could. You, you could use any of these funnels for any purposes. I wouldn't use it for both honey and transmission fluid. That probably wouldn't 
be a good idea. Here's one, and this one, Easton, is called the Big Mouth Funnel. Big Mouth Funnel. I know some people like that. Okay. The Big Mouth Funnel, okay? I guess so that you can, you know, pour liquid a whole lot faster. I just like the name, and it's got this nifty little handle on it and a little thing to, um, you know, I guess whatever you're pouring, you can rest it there. And now Steve's giving me a quizzical look. What's going on? It is a deluxe model. It might be yours, okay? You know, you're looking like, hey, you know. And I have this. No, it's not a funnel, okay? It's a megaphone. Wake up, okay? I guess we got it at an OB football game, but it could be a funnel, you know? And if that's the big mouth funnel, this would be like the blabbermouth funnel, I guess, you know, just a really, really big funnel. And so thinking about funnels, it would seem that the very invention of the funnel is for a good purpose. Think about it. The function of a funnel is to be useful, is to uh, make life easier for us, maybe to be good for us. But we describe things in terms of funnels that could be good or bad. I mean, you know, I guess this funnel, even though it was created for good, it's like, <laughs> you know, it could be used to hurt somebody. It could. I mean, so even though it was created for something good, it could be used for something not good. And then we have the term like funnel cloud. Not good. Okay. Funnel cake. Good. So see, yeah, yeah, you're, you're getting it. Okay. So good and bad. Now, as we know, today is Father's Day. But you say, surely he's not going to compare fathers and funnels. Why not? Why not? I mean, think about it. Fathers are also created for good things. They are created to be useful and to make life easier. I'm not really sure about that last one. That might be a little bit debatable, okay? As some of you know, uh, Laura and I made a quick trip to Birmingham earlier this week. Beeson Divinity School put us up in a Hampton Inn. And with the kind of tuition they charged, they could have put us up in the Winfrey Hotel at the Galleria, but we were glad to get the Hampton Inn. At one point, I was on the elevator, and two very talkative ladies got on the elevator with me. I'm not a very talkative one on the elevator. And normally people don't continue their conversations on the elevator. They get on there, everybody's silent, and then they get... Not these two. They just kept going. So I'm just standing back there in the corner, and one asks the other, Are they really getting married? Yes, the other one said. What does he do? Pharmacy tech, she, as she rolled her eyes. And the woman said, Well, that's good. And the other one said, well, there are different kinds of pharmacy techs. What he really wants to do is be a stay-at-home dad. And rolled her eyes again, and I'm going, I'm glad I'm back here in the corner. I'm not in the middle of all this. And then the other woman said, well, there are worse things than having someone have your separated when you come home from work. And at that point, the elevator doors opened. We were exiting, and they were still in full conversation 
about things related to fathers and dads and maybe even the youthfulness of fathers and dads. Kenneth and I were talking the other day and we got on the subject of making change. Mm -hmm. And in that many young folks don't know how to make change today. You go to a store and the cash register tells you exactly what you're supposed to give back and they count it out. But Kenneth said, you, you count it backwards. And I said, yes. I said, my dad taught me how to count change. And he said, well, my dad did too. And so we started talking about the settings that each of us were in when our fathers taught us how to count change backwards and count it back to the customer. And that brought back a flood of memories, most of which were good. Memories about so many good things that my dad taught me. On the same lines, um, one of my good friends, Danny Chisholm, who is pastor at University Heights Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri, he wrote a blog this week that was actually published on the uh, CBF website. And this was part of the blog. He talks about the time when uh, you, you had, had to call long distance on the telephone. And I think that you, you'll enjoy this. He said, in the days before cell phones, we had to use landlines. Some of us still have one. And if you go a little farther back in years, there was a time when you'd pick up the phone and talk to someone called an operator. The operator would help you place a call. It was a big deal to call someone long distance because it would cost you more to place the call. Y'all remember those days? Okay. But if you call collect, the person receiving the call would have to agree to accept the charges so you wouldn't have to pay for it. If they didn't accept the charges, then the call couldn't go through. Any of you ever made a collect call? Okay. Have any of you ever received a collect call? Have any of you ever rejected a collect call? Oh, some of you, okay. Um, he goes on to write, I've heard it said that there would be more long-distance calls placed on Mother's Day than any other day. Conversely, there would be more collect long-distance calls placed on Father's Day. And then he wrote, I guess that's how it goes, dads. And so whether it's being taught how to make change or taking a collect call. Most of us are able to recall good times with our fathers. Sherry, I've got a song for you to name that tune. Children play in the park. They don't know. I'm alone in the dark, even though time and time again I see your face smiling inside. You know who sings it yet? Chicago! Andy, God, Andy! I'm so happy that you love me. Life is lovely when you're near me. Tell me you will stay. Make me smile. And all you Chicago fans are going to be singing it for the rest of the day. Make me smile. As I thought about those days that Kenneth and I were talking about, it brought a smile to my face. About fathers doing good things for us and making us smile, but... Let's not forget the funnel. Okay. Even though it was designed for good, it can also be used for harm. My friend Danny goes on to write in his blog, Father's Day is an emotional day. 
Many people are fortunate to have had positive experiences with their fathers, but while others, not so much. Not every man is a father, and not every father is a dad to his children. Many fathers hope to be a good dad and wonder what that means. Sadly, there are all too many men who abdicate their responsibility when it comes to leading and caring for their children, and not all children have or had good relationships with their fathers. This whole holiday can be complicated for these reasons and more. So even for those of us who have good and fond memories of times with our fathers, we do tend to glamorize those days. Or if we are honest, there were some tough times too. I cannot think of a father who would say, I've done everything exactly as I was supposed to do. I have no regrets. I've always made the right decisions with my children. And so we consider these thoughts on fathers and funnels as we look at the scripture from Matthew today. Would any of you who are fathers give your son a stone when he asks for bread? Or would you give him a snake when he asked for a fish? As bad or as evil as you are, you know how to give good things to your children. How much more then will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I've always been fascinated by this passage. I thought how ridiculous it would be to give a child a stone instead of a piece of bread, or more horrific, to give a snake, Peter, instead of a piece of fish. Now, Peter might give a snake off Peter, we know, went and, you know, he picked up snakes and sold them for a living and everything, but uh, I don't know about that. But it really does describe the idea of fatherhood or parenthood, for that matter. It's like, regardless of some of the bonehead decisions we might make as parents, or that maybe our parents made with us, we at least have the good sense not to give a child a snake instead of a fish, for goodness sakes. I kind of, in some ways, picture Jesus in like a stand-up mode here. You know, it's like, you might be stupid, but you're not stupid enough if a child asks for a piece of bread, give him a, a rock or a stone and say, here, go chew on that. You might be an idiot, but if your child asks for a piece of fish, you're not going to give him a snake. You know, we might not get everything right, nor our fathers, but at least, even in our weakened, sinful nature, we will not deliberately do harm to our children. And so we compare this to God the Father, God our Father. How much more then will your Father in heaven, who is the very definition of the word good, how much more will He give good things to those who ask Him? Even though you are capable of doing good, how much more so does the Father do good for you? Good things. Even though this is in the context of prayer, 
in that God gives good things to those who ask, we see throughout Scripture in general the description of the goodness of God. Listen to just a few samples. These are from the Psalms. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. From Isaiah, I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise God for all that he has done, his great goodness to his people. From the book of James, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. From the book of Romans, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What emerges from Scripture is a portrait of God our Father, who not only is good in the very perfect sense of the word good, but who also wants good for each of us. And unlike earthly fathers, there are no mistakes with our Heavenly Father. There are no tough times that happen because of neglect or abuse or because of poor decisions. God, our Father, does not neglect His children. God, our Father, does not abuse His children. God, our Father, does not slip up from time to time. God, our Father, does not have a momentary lapse in judgment. God, our Father, does not become selfish, does not ever put His needs over the needs of His children. God, our Father, does not simply have good intentions, but sometimes difficulty following through. No, on the contrary. God, our Father, is always looking out for our best interests. Always. If you take nothing else away today, please be reminded that God, our Father, is always looking out for our best interests. And so whether you think that your earthly father is or was probably the best father on the planet, or whether your relationship with your earthly father has or had much to be desired, please know that God our Father in His compassion for us transcends any concept of goodness that we can fathom. Maxine read from the psalmist earlier, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber or sleep. He doesn't take a break. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. 
The Lord will keep you from harm. He will watch over your life. He will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Good memories and good things from our earthly fathers. So how much more then from our heavenly Father? Let's pray. God, our Father, we are indeed grateful 